Welcome to Making Sense of It All, helping you gain insight and take control of your wealth creation journey. Join your co-hosts from Vincent's, a national firm of highly specialized experts on all things financial. Jared Brooks, Director of Financial Advisory, and Brett Griffiths, Director of Superannuation Advisory. Along with special guests, they break down key concepts to help you achieve financial independence. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Making Sense of It All. All right, Brett, part two of our Taking Control of Cash Flow episode. Back into it, Jared. Let's go. Let's go. Forecasting cash flow, pivotal, but then flowing through to the actual savings planner itself. Mm-hmm. So we've had a discussion around money management. Yeah, and that was and some think time ago. Too. Yeah, it was, but I think it's really important that we check back in yeah. about the fundamental elements of the money management program. Yep. So step one is the savings planner. Mm-hmm. That's where we broke it down to income and expenses. Yep. And we, we, we provided that tool um, as well, didn't we? Yeah. We've created a really basic Excel spreadsheet. Yep. Um, gives you the ability to itemize uh, your income. So, personally, it might be from PAYG. It might be from investment properties. It might be other types of investments that we may have. Mm-hmm. Every single bit of income that comes into our financial position, put that in as a line item within the savings planner. Yep. Okay. Next is reviewing of expenses. Now, if you remember from last time, there was a degree of separation between fixed first variable yep. expenses. Yes. Yeah, so, I the do, fixed expenses were those non-discretionary. Yeah. So, we called those living expenses. Yep. What it took us to put roof over our head, shelter is just key. Yeah. We've, we've got to pay for that. Our food. Sort of need that too. Right? <laughs> Healthcare, anything, go on the doctors, all yep. these things that must happen and must be paid for for us to survive. Yep. Turning on the power, water, all those aspects. Yeah. But, and I suppose, though, to be, um, I'll say a little bit simplistic about it, Jared, even some of those fundamentals, and what we're ultimately, what we're talking about here is potentially thinking about your lifestyle as well. Because, you know, you say that food is a fundamental, right? Um, or an essential. Now, I could eat out to dinner every night. However, that's going to cost me a heck of a lot more than if I cooked at home. So, understanding your needs and wants is, I think, really important. Yeah, and it's well. why we break that into groceries versus dining out. Yeah, right. So, okay. groceries, we determine is that more food on the table I have to survive, yep. whereas the dining out is the, the variable expense. Yeah. So, always get your fixed costs under control. They're harder for us to adapt to improve our savings capacity. Yep. So, next is those variable costs, the discretionary element of our overall spending behavior. Mm-hmm. Dining out entertainment. Those are the ones where you can decide what lifestyle you wish to have. Yep. And should your circumstances change, that gives that's the area where you can hone in and go, okay, these are the li- livers. Yeah, correct. Okay. I can wind back on how often I'm dining out and getting delivery or whatever it might be. Yep. Yep. So uh, the key there from last time is this is something that is completely your 
personal perception of lifestyle. Yep. This is your you're creating this savings plan around your desired lifestyle. Uh, this isn't anyone else's uh, opinion to pr- uh, reflect on this and go. No, you're living beyond your means. Yeah. It comes back to you. Understand your income. Understand your expenses. Now, this savings planner is called that, and not a budget because a budget is retrospective. Yep. It's not something that you're looking back in time and going, okay, well, I overspent in this area, or I underspent in this area, and eventually, at the bottom of my budget, I said yes. Well, no, I didn't save or did save some money. That's right. You're going, oh, crap. Hang on. I've missed it. That's right. <laughs> a savings planner is forward looking. Yeah. But okay. obviously, you're using the history of your expenses and income to populate that savings planner. Yeah. Yeah. To feed through to the bottom line of savings. Yep. So, we're looking forward when it comes to our savings planner. We've broken down those categories into living and lifestyle spending. Mm-hmm. Right. The next part flowed through to actually how we go about setting up our banking structure. Yep. Okay. So the banking structure, the two important elements here is segregate and automate. Mm -hmm. Segregation of your accounts. So we want a clearly uh, categorized account for living expenses. Money flows into that on all sources of income. Money comes into our living expenses account. Mm-hmm. We've always got to have money in that account because at the end of the day, that's our bills. Yep. That's what it costs to put a roof over our head and, and clothes on our back. Next account, lifestyle spending. Look back at your savings planner. Mm-hmm. What is a regular amount that you are putting into that account that you will use for those discretionary items in life? Right. So actually... And I suppose there's probably no point looking at it, your savings planner and going that figure divide by 12 or putting it to a monthly basis or... It needs to be broken down to when you're paid. That's That's, right. that's ultimately the case. Yep. Okay. If you're paid on a fortnightly basis yep. or paid on a monthly basis, mm-hmm. that's probably most likely the, the way in which you allocate money into this account. Yep. Okay. So if I'm paid on a fortnightly basis... When payday comes, mm-hmm. this will come through an automation, but we're going to pay ourselves first. Right. So pay off a mortgage, of course, first, pay into our savings account next. Um, but the next one is then putting money into our lifestyle uh, spending account. Right. All right. That's a set amount that we know if that hits zero, we can't spend any more on discretionary items. Yep. So no Uber Eats for you. Correct. Yep. So you just can't be going out and getting the chicken palmy and start to zero balance. What? No chicken palmy? That's it. <laughs> so segregation, we've got the living expenses. Um, we've got the lifestyle expenses, sorry, living uh, spending, mm-hmm. uh, lifestyle spending. Yep. Then we've got a storage account, right. which is now shorter term. Uh, expense items, i.e. we might be saving for a car or something like that It's a, and might be an emergency buffer that sits within that. Okay. And then finally, the savings bucket. Right. So four bank accounts in a very basic banking structure. Okay. So that's segregation. Automation is what we just touched on. Mm-hmm. Payday comes in. First thing you do is always, obviously, if you've got a home, pay your mortgage expenses. Yep. That's a must. But the next one is pay yourself first. Right. So pay for, you've reviewed your savings plan and you know what your bottom line is, Mm -hmm. what you have the ability to save and put towards longer-term wealth creation. Mm -hmm. That goes into that savings bucket. Right. Okay. That's an interesting concept that you do the savings before you do some of the other things. Well, the only other thing after that is more your discretionary discretionary expenses. Okay. 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 
So, because yeah. you don't want to be budgeting and putting money aside for that before you allocate to your personal long-term wealth creation goals. Yes. That's the concept there. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That makes sense. All right. Yep. So, you've put money aside and this is where it comes back to you've reviewed your, your line items within your savings planner. You've taken control of your debt. You now have clarity around your cash flow position from mortgage repayments. You now might be going and putting aside money for the unexpected, the potential change in circumstances. And that may be what falls into the savings bucket. Mm -hmm. That may be additional repayments on a home loan to get ahead. It may be putting money aside for other investable assets for long-term wealth creation. Yeah, right. Okay. So that you might use some of that savings money to invest in shares or to buy an investment property. Spot on. If you've got a longer-term investment horizon, yes, it might be investments. It might be simply the fact that we know that we're going to drop from two incomes to one income. Yeah. And And over the course of the next three years, Mm -hmm. whilst my partner's out of work, I might dip into that bucket to make mortgage repayments, make um, repay for bills and things like that. But I'm happy utilizing capital because I'm looking to maintain my principal place residence and investment properties and those kind of things. So I might be jumping ahead here, Jared, but that money that you've, say in that situation where you've gone from two wages down to one, you've essentially built up a buffer that's going to be the wage for however long the spouse is out of work. Spot on. So then you would, would you literally then set up that automation where you would take money from that account and then flick it back into your, um, where your income goes into normally? Would work perfectly because yeah. at the end of the day, that would see seem like a salary. <clears throat> yeah. It'd be like regular payments into my living, uh, into my living expenses account yeah. to replace that lost income from employment. Yeah. So what we're really talking about here, Jared, first and foremost, is discipline. You've got to Huge. be disciplined enough to have a serious to look seriously at your income and more so expenses. Yeah. Expenses is the big thing because particularly for younger generations, it's very easy for them to see perhaps their parents have, you know, more general link or more available cash, more surplus cash, they might spend money a little bit more because they don't not as disciplined. Well, they're, they're, they're probably one in their peak earning capacity of life. Yep. Two, they've probably paid off a far bigger chunk of their their mortgage. Yep. So cash flows a little stronger. Yeah. But often the, their kids might look at them and go, oh, this is easy. Cash is, is, you know, there's lots of cash around. So I don't have to be as disciplined in my expenses. Yeah. So it, it almost becomes a little bit of a trap because they see their parents being a little bit liberal in how they might spend money. So then they think that they can. So really being disciplined in that lifestyle type expenditure, you know, the Uber Eats and all that sort of stuff, <clears throat> being disciplined around that and realistic because you've still got to have a life. Right, you still got to enjoy life. There's, to my my perspective, is there's no point going so hard that you've cut absolutely all the fun stuff out. Yeah. But by the same token, that you need to have um, that savings buffer to ensure that you have wealth into the future. Yeah, and that that is going to be different for every single person. Yeah. Some people turn around and say, "I want to be retired in the next five years," and they're only. 35 years of age, others might go, well, look, I love what I do and I'm going to work until I'm 70. 
Mm. So those two scenarios have completely different results in terms of what ability you have of uh, utilizing your cash flow, you know, for uh, items such as creating lifestyle. Yeah, and the thing that I think a lot of people, perhaps younger people particularly, might not necessarily appreciate, is that the average life expectancy of someone who's 25 now is about 90, 90, 95. Now, if they stop work, they still need to live. They still need to think about how, what income am I going to have once I reach that retirement point. So if they want to retire at 40, as the example that you gave, how are they going to sustain themselves for the next 50 years, essentially? They're going to need a lot of capital to be able to do that. So capital is savings. Yeah. If they retire at 70, they won't need as much because they're not going to live as long in retirement because they're still earning money up until they retire. So that concept about having that buffer that can then that's large enough, they can essentially live off that earnings or potentially eat into some of the capital over time um, is really important. And one that they really need to, now they may need to see a financial advisor around to actually just understand how that model works essentially. Yeah. And it's two different, very different scenarios for a person who says, uh, I'm willing to utilize both income and capital, mm. draw down on capital over my remaining life expectancy versus the person who says, I would like to solely live off the income that my investments are able to generate. Yep. So a person who just wants to live off the income obviously needs to have a greater wealth base um, because they need more invested to sustain whatever their living expenses are Yeah. versus the person who wants to uh, draw down on that capital base. Oh, exactly. And and from my experience too, Jared, from what I've seen with clients, is that typically when people retire, they like spending money to travel and all that sort of stuff. At the moment, yeah, we can't necessarily do that, but once, well, we will be able to at some point, hopefully. <laughs> um, so they, they usually have a lot of expenses in the first five years of retirement. Then invariably what happens is that that will drop away a little bit. But then it ramps back up again because now we're starting to talk about medical expenses. So um, don't think that the income that your or the the your income needs today are what you will need into the future because they will be different and they will be variable depending on how you want to live at that point in time too. Yeah, and that comes back to forecasting your cash flow mm-hmm. um, and taking control of your expenses. Yeah. Um, probably, uh, I suppose, forecasting those as well to correlate to yeah. it. Um, but I think the, uh, another aspect to consider to take control of your cash flow uh, is actually building in a buffer on the interest rate. Yep. So say I'm paying 3%, say I'm paying 2%, add a couple percent to it. If the in- interest rate environment was to change, mm. um Buffer that in and see if you have the serviceability to deliver from a cash flow perspective at that rate. Yeah. And and look, there's lots of online calculators. Yeah. A lot of, most of the banks will have them that you can go in there and you know, put variable interest rates in. So that's a great idea. Yeah, so. Now, uh, so let me play devil's advocate here then, Jared. So if they have the ability to do that, perhaps rather than saying I'm going to put – 
the equivalent into a savings account, maybe they could put it against their home loan, assuming it's a, they have a redraw facility. Well, so, this is where the offset account comes back into play. Yeah, okay. So why yeah, the true. offset account comes into play is because you have the ability, instead of putting it into a savings account, yeah. you use an offset facility, which in turn offsets your interest, yep. but you have the ability to draw down on that if circumstances change. Yeah, and the reason why that is important, either a redraw or the offset account, is that you pay less interest. So you're actually you don't necessarily notice, but you're saving money um, and you're actually paying off the principal potentially faster. So, yeah, it's a really important strategy or tool that you that you might be able to use to essentially achieve your wealth goal a little bit sooner, particularly when banks are paying next to nothing in a savings account as such. Yeah. Um, and I suppose you've got to get control of this. You've got to understand what comes in, what goes out. Because at the end of the day, you don't know what that bottom line is. You don't know what you can either add to investments or what you can pay down on your mortgage if you're not having an understanding of your cash flow. So I suppose that should have been tip number one. Just get knowledge, get an understanding of where cash is coming in and cash is going out. So Look at your bank statements. Um, look at your um, your credit card bills, and almost do a, a summary of every expense for the last twelve months. Because yeah. to me, expenses are the hard bit. Right? We all know what we get paid. Now, sorry, most of us know what we get paid. We know where income comes from. Expenses is the hard bit, and the, the discretionary spend, yeah. the cup of coffee each morning, or whatever it might be. That's where, to me, the easy wins are for savings, but and that's where the leakage can really happen. Yep. But understanding what you're currently spending can actually be a real shock to some people yep. because they don't have that they don't have that understanding. They don't have a handle on it because they don't look at it in it in that sort of detail. Yep. I'll give you one really good tip. I only uh, I was speaking to a client earlier this week. Mm-hmm. The simple concept of cutting up a credit card. Yep. To remove any direct uh, credits that are coming from that account. Okay. So think about your um, Netflix subscription, your newspaper, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Usually you link it to your credit card. Yep. A easy health check is a bit painful, I'll admit it, but chopping up that credit card and not being able to, as in cancelling it. Yeah. And all those direct debits or credit credits being reset mm-hmm. and you having to link it to another bank account gives you the ability to go through line by line okay. and actually review what you've got going out. Yep. Because at the end of the day, sometimes, especially in this world of subscription models, it's very easy to start subscribe to something, mm-hmm. get caught in it, and then not end up utilizing it. Yeah. So you can just do a simple health check and go, geez, I haven't actually used that subscription for ages. Yep. Do I really need it? If mm. so, yeah, turn it back on, direct debit, direct credit. Um, but if you don't, perfect timing just to go cancel subscription. Yeah. And, and you're right, Jared, because there can be lots of things, not only entertainment but also software and all that. There's lots of things that are on subscription now, your Spotify's or whatever it might be. Yeah. So it's a – not that we're dishing Spotify. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's lots of um, – there are lots of things that we subscribe to that we might not necessarily need or want um, or just aren't utilizing. And yeah. they could redeploy that, that income better. Yeah. 
easy step for taking control yeah. of your cash flow. Yeah. Um, another one for me would be not even utilizing credit cards. So See, it's, for me, this is a really hard concept. To so just the fact that you don't have, especially in that lifestyle spending, yep. that it's a debit card. You, you have 200 bucks in there mm-hmm. for a fortnight. Yep. As soon as it hits zero, there's nothing left. You know, that's, that's accountability straight back to you. If you want to go out and have drinks or whatever you might want to do, you have to now consciously dip into your savings to go and ex- to go and actually do that yep. and have that fun, whatever it might be for you. That feedback loop is so important. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have a credit card, you've got your $5,000 limit, okay, well, I've, I've always Whatever. got money yeah. on my credit card, yeah. right? As long yeah. as I pay it off at the end of the month. Yep. It's so much harder to control yeah. your expenses and especially your lifestyle spending when it's on a credit card versus a debit card. Yep. The fact it comes down to zero, like for some people, it's even better to go, I'll take out a hundred bucks, even though we can't, so, some well, places cash. now won't even allow it, <laughs> but a debit card and a debit account for that discretionary expense item in your in your overall savings planner yeah. can help so much. Wow. I don't know if I could live without my credit card, Jared. That could be going too far. <laughs> but, but it might be as simple as allocating the credit card only the, for the purpose of fixed expenses. Yeah, yeah of course. I'll put yeah. my utility bills on there. I'll put my rates on the credit card. Whatever you might do, all those fixed costs that are required as part of expenses for you. Yep. And but perfect. But I suppose as we we're saying before, though, it is about discipline. Yeah. So discipline in reviewing and discipline in execution, like that. That's the key to this, really. Yeah, I agree. So, have you got anything else there, Brett, in regards to tips and tricks in terms of taking control of your cash flow? Because I was spoken about focusing on bad debts, good debts, bad debts, reviewing it. Mm-hmm. We've had a conversation around if we've got home loans and investment properties, considering fixed first variable and structures in that regard, forecasting cash flow, income mm-hmm. to the family position and seeing if there's change in circumstances that may impact and therefore drive the need for uh, gr- a greater level of emergency buffer. Yep. Um, go back to your money management program. Get yeah. it in place. This it doesn't even matter if you're uh, – you are in retirement or you're just starting out on your wealth creation journey, a money management uh, program that you put in place is your personal accountability. So go through the line items, look at your overall income, look at what your living expenses are, your lifestyle spending and your bottom line, what you're able to save. Yeah. Put in place a banking structure and that'll give you that accountability and feedback loop so you can make conscious decisions around how you spend your money. Yeah. And look, for me, Jared, it is about that that discipline because – and this is time. It's not something that you can necessarily do in 10 minutes. You could if you wanted to, but it won't be right. So to make it really, really work for you, you've got to put the, the time, energy, and effort in to go back and look at your expenses over the past 12 months in reality, that'll probably give you a bit of a reality check too, a bit of a shock, thinking, crap, am I really spending that much? Then be disciplined in setting up the process of yeah. that savings account and, and you know, like you're talking about with you know, Segregate segregating the accounts, yep. And... And be as disciplined as you can with that. It's not going to be easy. But ultimately, if you want things to change, change is not always an easy thing to do. 
And we're talking about here people creating a financial security for themselves into the future, whether that is creating an ability to create wealth or just to ensure that they have the security that they can make repayments on their mortgage or their rent should either of those increase. Yeah, it's fundamental. That's what we're talking about, regardless of of creating a savings buffer for someone, you know, to use for investments or anything like that. Uh, Just breaking it down into that really simple thing: Can I still afford this house, this apartment, in the next five years if interest rates increase three percent? And I think that's that's huge. I think we really need to start considering that we might uh, be having a higher expense associated with any debt they're carrying. Yeah. Yep. So, and I, which comes back to that, you know, that idea that you had, Jared, about factoring that in now. Can you afford it now? If you can, start putting that putting that aside. Yeah, create a bit of an emergency buffer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I think we're done. I think that's a great episode. I agree, Jared. Excellent. Well, I hope you all enjoyed listening to our tips and tricks for taking control of our cash flow. As always, uh, if you're enjoying what you're you're listening, then please subscribe on your platform of choice. Yeah, leave us a review. That'd be wonderful. Always, always a plus. <laughs> um, it and helps us. It certainly does. And make sure you, if uh, again, if you're finding it of value, share it with any of your friends and family who might benefit from this as well. Like yep. that would be the greatest thing for us is helping. It's the reason why we've done this podcast is to help educate the people around us. That's right. Um, and this is a great platform for doing that. Yeah. And if you do, make sure you tell them to start from the beginning. Because yeah. Go down to found, back to foundations. Back to foundations. That's right. Spot on. Yep. Any questions? Send them through to making sense of it all at vincents.com. Excellent. Uh, Well, I think next time, Brad, I haven't given you the heads up on this one, but I think I might have a special guest, uh, a a gentleman that's set up his own business from scratch and uh, talk to the world that hidden challenges he's faced uh, through the course of that and transitioning from a PAYG salary secured position to establishing his own uh, is establishing his own business. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Sounds good. So we'll see how we go in the world of COVID, but uh, I look forward to that one if we can get him on board. All right, fantastic. Excellent. Well, until next time, remember to gain insight and take control. Thanks, Jared. Thanks, mate. The information contained in this podcast should not be interpreted as advice. It is general in nature and does not take into account your individual financial situation or needs and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property or financial decision, we recommend you consult with a licensed professional advisor to consider your unique circumstances. Guests appearing on this podcast may have a commercial relationship with the companies mentioned. 